you have that experience where, you know, you know in your heart this is true because you've experienced it in a real, real way. And by the way, I just want to say, when you defend your faith, that's a valid way to defend your faith. No one should diminish that for you to say, look, I get that this isn't what you believe, but this isn't just real to me because I had some whacked out experience. This is real to me because in the hot pavement of life, it is playing out its truth. And that's valid. That's valid. But there's also an intellectual side and a side to our faith that stands up to reasoning and logic, and history and science and math. And so when you deal with people who live in that world, that that's the only way that they find truth, there can be a divide if we're not equipped. Welcome back to Study with Friends. I'm Paige Quadro, and I'm so glad you joined us today as we continue our six-part study on apologetics. In this series, we're really focusing on our questions and hesitations in engaging those around us, but also learning what we can do to be prepared. If you missed the first part or want to get the homework to better follow along, you can find it at our website, studywithfriends.org. If you missed a part of the show or want to re-listen, you can also listen on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Plus, now you can watch the ladies discuss on YouTube. Now, let's dive into today's discussion. Part of, I think, the reason that we don't pursue a non-believer is because we're afraid of the conflict. And so neighbors and people that are in your life, um, parents of your children's friends, those are perfect ways to be interacting with non-believers. But you're right, there is this trepidation about not being offensive and not being again, this like witness to what we're supposed to be loving, we're Christians, we're supposed to reflect Christ. Totally true. Finding a way to reflect Christ in a culture filled with conflict and division when you know someone has a deeply held thought that is completely different than your own. It's these deeply held beliefs that we just want to stay away from. Like my grandparents even used to say, two things you never talk about, politics right. and religion okay. and because it just causes fights yeah guess what that was my grandparents generation we think we're so unique that we're divided right now we're not mm -hmm. we're just more vocal about it mm -hmm. about our division and social media gives us this megaphone that <laughs> um so i heard a lot of i'm really glad that you said all those all those things i share all of those um with you uh, my background with respect to understanding my faith better is similar to yours, um, except it had a person and persons in my father's family of people who were really not shy. Okay, I always feel like I have to explain my family. My father's family, and this I think is part of what God gifted me in life to be ready for um, the calling he would eventually put on me for apologetics. My father's family is highly argumentative. And, um, but it's unique in that um, we love a debate, but we're not mad at each other. And from the outside, it looks like we are really mad at each other because we yell, and sometimes people call names. <laughs> <laughs> but... There's peace because there's a real foundation of like unconditional love in that family, like really, really special group of people who love each other so, so well. 
which is also actually hard because they're atheists. So you say, I mean, honestly, some of the best people, most moral, ethical, loving people I know are the atheists in my family. So how do you tackle that? You know, so there's a lot of that, that, that that's where I come from. Um, and I'm, I'm a proud girl. So I, I didn't want my, f- I didn't want to be made a fool of for my faith. I, I was like, wait a minute. They would say things to me and ask me questions. And I didn't know, I didn't know the answer. Cause I had really at the beginning of my salvation experience, I, I got, uh, prayed the prayer at, li- at 13, but I didn't really have a solid hold on my faith until college. The beginning of my, my salvation experience was emotional and spiritual, mm-hmm. not intellectual. Mm-hmm. And so ha- do you have that experience where, you know, you know in your heart this is true because you've experienced it in a real, real way. And by the way, I just want to say, when you defend your faith, that's a valid way to defend your faith. No one um, should diminish that. Um, for, for you to say, look, I get that this isn't what you believe, but this isn't just real to me because I had some whacked out experience. This is real to me because in the hot pavement of life, it is playing out its truth. And that's valid. That's valid. But there's also an intellectual side to our, and a, and a side to our faith that stands up to reasoning and logic and history and science and math. And so um, when you deal with people who, are, who live in that world, that that's the only way that they find truth, there can be a divide um, if we're not equipped. Um, and so one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking, Kathy, is that um, top of mind. The other thing that I think people experience, and tell me if this resounds true for you, is um, there are a lot of directions, conversations like this can go, and you just feel like there's too long a list of answers. Like this, I don't have all the answers. As if we shouldn't have the conversation until we have a completely full mm-hmm. toolbox of every word, of every answer. I mean, I really want to dispel that as much as we can during the course of this series as well, because I, I believe, um, and I might as well just share my own ethos on apologetics now. First, I think the best way for us to do um, apologetics, which the word is a fancy Christian word, it's a fancy word for just being able to defend your faith. I don't love even the idea of defense because it implies an attack and defense. Um, so I dispel with that I would dispel with that right away and say you know I love the people who do debates on YouTube I love William Lane Craig I know him he he worked on a project with um, me and and several others I love his mind he's incredible but not all of us are called to debate uh, you know a world-renowned atheist at a university on YouTube um, you know what I mean? Like most of us are working this out in our living rooms and in Starbucks and, um, you know, on the playground and wherever we're seeing and spending time with and being in relationship with over our kitchen table with people who don't believe. So we have to take on a different approach because I believe that the best apologetics are actually truly relational. Um, to what you said, I want to text them later. Text them. Yeah. You know, like I, I think that one of the things that we have to let go of is having the answer right mm-hmm. in the moment. Because I think humility says, you know what, you've given me something to think about. 
do you mind if I think about it and let's get together again and and I I want to I want to chew on what you've said and and really consider what you've said by introducing that we give them permission to do the same by the way so if I introduce a concept to an unbeliever if I've already said you've given me some really important things to think about if I say that first it's like let me put it this way you know how like when you have surgery or you have a baby or something's going on in your life and people bring you meals and you feel like, oh my gosh, people are serving me. But you feel a lot better if you brought them a meal first, right? You're like, okay, I gave her a meal. I'll take one from her. Or I, I, I gave her, I carpooled for her. I'll take, I'll take help from her. It's this introduc- introduction of humility. Like I will serve you first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it opens up relationally, um, a way for people to say that back to us to say you know and just say you know this is a really hard subject and people really fight about it but I really care about you and I don't want to fight with you about it but I would love to keep talking to you about it because the questions you have helped me understand my faith better and so I I love I I personally love that I mean I think everybody knows that about me um I have people in my life who have grown up in their faith because I sought them out in their doubt. A little bit self-serving. Mm-hmm. Like, I love them, of course. You know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Andrea. Hey, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she's one of, one of many. She actually serves on our leadership team oh, now. Fine. She's one of many people who I sought them out because I, I feel like if I insulate and forget the hard questions, then I could be victim to doubt. I could fall victim to not really having the sharpest mind about why why that doubt can be dispelled. So I, I welcome it. I like it. And, I, and I'm genuine with people about that. Can we talk more about it? Your doubts help me understand my faith better. Can, can you keep telling me why you doubt Christianity? That would be a service to me. You see how it's, it pivots mm-hmm. the conversation? And then people are like, I'll tell you all about why your faith is stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it, but it opens up that door in a way that immediately is not confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially right now, especially in the culture we live in, we have to do extra work when we're doing this ministry of, of truth and the word to seekers and skeptics. I think we have to be especially careful about being relational and being humble and unplugging from the potential conflict right from the beginning mm-hmm. and really taking a posture of humility so that conflict has less of a likelihood to enter the conversation. So, um, that's a little bit about sort of my thoughts on apologetics. They're just my thoughts. I'm not saying they're the right thoughts, but they're the ways, these are the ways that I have found this work to be most successful mm-hmm. is in the context of relationship. And by the way, years-long relationship. I think another part of this is like we think if we have the answer in that moment, a salvation experience is going to happen. Calm down with that. <laughs> like, it's first of all, it's not up to you. It's up to the Holy Spirit. You, he doesn't need you. So even if you mess up the answer, if, he, if, if he's after that heart, he's going to get it. And so just rec- like take the pressure off yourself that if I, have, if I don't have the right answer, what, something awful is going to happen or something good isn't going to happen. Um, so I heard that a little bit in, in some of the things that we were talking about too, and I think that's a common fear. Um, do you guys want to reflect on, on what I'm saying, or should we, should we keep going? 
So I reflect on the debating family relationships because as we've discussed in our car ride that <laughs> we are two peas in a pod in a lot of ways. So my family <laughs> is debating as well. But that under deeping, deepening like love underneath is not always visible. Mm. It's definitely there's a lot of hostility and anger. And um, but I learned all growing up that you fought your way through your battle. And so um, so there's a lot of debates at my home. And what I've done is I've brought that into my Christian life, mm. which is not what I should be doing. And so my passion with the Lord, which is overwhelming, um, I want everyone to be there with me, right? And if you're my friend and I love you, I want you to share in heaven with me. Mm-hmm. And so I will beat you into the ground with the information <laughs> that I have until you say yes. Mm. And I know that that's been a really strong point for me that I've had to really step back and allow the spirit to work mm. in ways that, so even if I have the answer, sometimes I need to rein it in because I want to go, I want to give you the answer and then you need to say how right I am about that mm. answer. And so that I just, I need to pull it in and really just give people time to process some of the either information that we've discussed or some of the things that we've talked about or even just to take what they said and say, I hear you. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of difficulty with that. I know I, I find that to be a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. So that's, I'm learning in this. And actually I was confronted with it. I was confronted with a situation where it was, well, you keep telling me how wrong. Don't you realize how hard I research for those answers? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not listening. I'm just waiting for a moment to respond and I'm not listening. And that was a big wake up call for me. Yeah. I love see, don't you love Kathy's transparency? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So oh so can I, I wanna lean in with you there yeah. for a minute. What do you think is the root cause of that I don't even want to say behavior, because I know it's actually your heart. Yeah. What do you think is the root that's wrong? Okay, so to be transparent, I'm the runt of my family Mm. so um so I didn't learn to fight my way through until I was late teens so I always lost Mm. it was always like well just let this happen well you know let's just let that happen and so I always took and took and took and then I got to an age where I started to understand things I was a, a late bloomer so things started to process and I started to understand and then I had to push back and so it was this internal battle of now I have to win. Mm. Because in my family, you have to win. If you don't win, you lose. Mm. You don't. Yeah. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. There's no, oh, that was great. I really appreciate you saying that. Like, it's either you've won or you've completely lost. <laughs> I've destroyed you and wow. I've dug my heels into the ground. So, uh, okay, so, so a lot of childhood really trauma into, there. Yeah, it's okay. really, into, okay. which is funny because we had a, it, uh, it is a loving family so I joke about that and we still get together and we still debate and we still do fun things um but there is definitely that sense of you know I, I need to be right when the time comes and I need to win yeah. and it can happen at, if your family's in my it can happen at any time yeah. it's not like it's not like oh Thanksgiving this is gonna happen it's a football game oh yeah it's a it's a lunch it's a <laughs> yeah. dinner it's whatever it's, it's a, a drop it's a sitting off around and pick a, up some sitting around a fire pit yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know like I have some peppers here come so get them it just comes up so but so I love that you were totally open about that i yeah. love you so much i just love you girls so much <laughs> um i just know everybody's gonna love you as much as i do um but what i was thinking about is there there feels like in that there's a root of fear yeah because what i was hearing 
at the surface was impatience, mm-hmm. impatience for the process. And the only thing that I think, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, underneath that is fear. Mm-hmm. Fear that someone you love would not get it figured out yeah. in time. Yeah. 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 That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one. And fear causes us, I mean, I think um, when my girls hit high school and they started to become more independent, I realized how much more of my parenting was um, ruled by fear instead of by what was right, the right path, the proact. I was becoming reactive instead of proactive as a parent. And I think that there's some similarities there, that if if my mindset is ruled by fear, because I love you or I care about you. And, and, and I think if we're living the life of Christ, like, you know, emulation, we do love even, even non-family members. We love, you know, God's people, the people of the world, the image bearers. And so there becomes this low hum of like, oh my gosh, what if she doesn't get it? What if he doesn't get there? And, and maybe even also a little bit of responsibility. Like, was I not yeah. available? Was I not, yeah. did I not show up in the way that God called me in that moment? Yeah. There's a lot of fear yeah. around this. Did stuff. I not love them well? I mean, we're called to love. Yeah. Did I not love them well? Yeah. That they I don't. Love them enough to tell them right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. yeah. There's a lot of fear around all this. Yeah. And I think um, our God is not a God of fear. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I think so a little bit preparing ourselves that was helpful for me mm-hmm. um you know when you're going into a situation you know when you're going into a situ- situation where it might happen it might go down right and even i i learned to pray um when i start when i was going to go into a situation with non-believers because i saw myself as i said before falling into some habits that i didn't like um and so <clears throat> excuse me and so i started praying before that. And I think that's the only way we can do that, guys. I honestly, because if we go in relying on our mind and our own answers and our own abilities, we are going to fail. But if we set our mind before we walk into that situation, or even in the moment, like if you're grocery store or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you just say, wait a minute, this is not going to happen of my strength, of my mind, of my knowledge, of my intelligence this is going to happen of the holy spirit period we can become equipped and we should be equipped better equipped as a people in some of the talking points and we'll talk about those today with respect to the truth of the bible we're going to talk about a lot of them we're going to talk about what you just teased out which i which is called pluralism religious pluralism that it's you know we're all going to the you know it's all we're all worshiping the same god or you know we'll talk about relativism you hit that too my truth your truth so we're going to do all that work it's going to take a long time because i don't want to rush it Mm -hmm. but today we'll start the process of really just picking up some nuggets and some facts that we should we should at least have handy um, we don't have to memorize everything, and I'll teach you how to cope with questions in a way that you don't have to feel like you have an answer right away, mm-hmm. which will also solve your problem, which is coming back at you. Yeah. One of the things that I say a lot to my kids and about apologetics is, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? And that's a very important precept to consider when it comes to apologetics. When I talk to you as a non-believer, do I 
Is it more important for you to recognize that I'm right? Or is it more important for you to recognize that I'm deeply invested in our relationship? We know sitting in this moment, the answer is the second thing. But in those <laughs> moments, we get wound up about, oh my gosh, but you're wrong. And your wrongness has eternal consequences. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. And that's yeah. a panic, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. other reflections about how we're walking through life and the things that we're encountering. I just heard some really great stuff that I want to keep coming back to, but we can we can go forward. Yeah, um, well, I, I've been reflecting a lot on everything that everyone's been saying. It's such a nourishing conversation. Mm -hmm. I just keep getting the word nourishing because so good. I, I so appreciate all the different points um, because I have lived through all the different points Um very very deeply and personally because i i also in mentioning before how i grew up in a home of pastors and leaders and just all because i uh, my mom's side of the family she's one of eight and each of her brothers and sisters had like four to six kids <laughs> and oh so my it's, gosh it bred like rabbits right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but but yet i was an only child and you know for the longest time until my sister came along and so i just say all that to say you know we would every time we would get together for christmases and and um you know d different holiday seasons everything always turned into th a theological debate um mm. and and at times, I mean, I, I grew up with fondness of it, truly. Um, I loved, I loved, um, you know, sitting at the feet of my parents and just like listening to them talk about the Bible with their brothers and sisters, with my, my grandma. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was so, it was so good. And I, I, cause I heavily look up to my parents even still, I mean, now they're my pastors, but like even before growing up and not just them, but also my aunts and uncles at the time, I really looked up to them. Um, and really appreciated their conversation because they always really were big about searching the scriptures and memorizing the scriptures. Yeah. Like to give you an idea, one of my uncles, um, he's a pastor as well. He's memorized and taught like the whole book of Philippians. <laughs> um, like one of the time, one of the last family reunions mm. that we had, he preached from and just start, uh, he started preaching and then he just went into just quoting the entire mm. book of Philippians. Oh and at first I was like, you're quoting scripture. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I realized, I oh my yeah. word, you're, you're quoting Philippians. It was cool. It was yeah, honestly yeah, really cool. cool. But, um, but, but I, I say all that because I totally understand where you're coming from, where it can be really difficult to not speak the truth in mm -hmm. love. But another thing that can be difficult in how you perceive it is because this is something I've had to learn is not taking a, um, you know, and, and maybe your experience is a little bit more like they were just very much harsh and, and their motivation was to tear you down. I don't know. But, um, but for me, I, I've had to learn how to take confidence and not twist it in my mind mm -hmm. as, as hatred towards me. Yeah. This is Jan with Study with Friends. We are a weekly Bible study just like the one you find at your local church. If you're not involved in one, we encourage you to find a Bible-based church home. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent his disciples out to preach the word, and he instructed them, Freely you have received, so freely give. We believe these words apply to us here at Study with Friends, so we have created many resources for you 
at our website, studywithfriends.org. Just like those disciples that relied on the generosity of others, we likewise are 100% donor-supported. If you have been particularly blessed by any of the resources we've worked hard to provide, would you consider donating to our ministry? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us, and no amount is too small. If you're willing to give, we'd be grateful and thankful to have it. You can donate one time or become a monthly partner on our website, studywithfriends.org, front slash donate. We always love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at info at studywithfriends.org. You can find us on YouTube or connect with us via Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It is always an encouragement to hear what you have to say and how this ministry is touching your life. We'll see you next time as we study with friends. Friends.